Welcome to the Growth Guys Podcast, presented by KinderReeseCoaching.com. This is the number one podcast for real estate agents who are serious about growing their business. Get the strategies and tactics to grow your business fast while building the lifestyle you dream of. Now, sit back, buckle up, and get ready, because we're about to get real. The Growth Guys Podcast starts right now. What's going on, John? How are you? Doing good, man. What's happening? What's happening, man? Uh, so we're here for another Ask the Growth Guys Q&A call. What's up, everybody uh, out there on Facebook? Uh, be sure and uh, send your questions if you have anything specific to kinderreesquestions.com. We've got that open, and we'll be watching it for uh, any questions to pop in. And then uh, we'll do our best to keep track of Facebook also. And so uh, if you have any questions, you can also drop some in the comments there on Facebook. What's on your mind today, John? What is up? Hey, I know we had a, um, a question that came in <clears throat> maybe over, over the weekend or what, and we didn't, we didn't touch on it at the end of last week or whatever, but I think it was from Mike. Uh, Mike Fowler was talking about TC and um collecting the tc fee great job great yeah. job um so s successfully collected transaction coordination fee on about 70 percent of my transactions can you tell me how to sell present the transaction coordination and fee to the buyer or seller man you know that's um that really is a kind of a, a common concern and, and it's more of a concern you know, with the real estate agent instead of you know with the uh, prospective buyer or seller, we've got a whole we've got a whole training uh, call that that old Walter and I did back um, back almost man last October that we really break it down. And if you see Jay go through it, you know it's just you just don't make a big deal about it. It's just an administrative you know fee that that we you know compliance fee that we charge that uh, just ensures that the I's are dotted and T's are crossed. Um, and you, you just you keep moving, you know. Um, I think the consumer is is pretty used to um, some type of uh, fee structure in, in most of the, the things that they do. So I would, uh, yeah, just just make it a part of the, the process. You don't hide anything from them. And you know, like for us, we already had it pre pre printed into our our contracts and our forms, and so that was already there. So you didn't even have to. The the biggest thing is when you pencil it in, right? You write it in instead of it, it looking like it's part of the actual document. So that was that was the key thing. But um, yeah, you know, if Mike, if you're watching, if you haven't listened to that call, um, let us know, and we'll get you a copy of it. You can get you the link to listen to it. Yeah, uh, you know, and just to add on to that, I would say from a sales perspective. You know, just treat it like it's a normal part of doing business. The fact of the matter is the only reason that people are probably going to be uncomfortable with it is because you're uncomfortable with it. And we just had a talk oh, this wow. morning with our sales team about this. And, and it's that, you know, there's this intangible red alert system, like alarms that go off for buyers when they're making a decision. Number one, they're scared shitless to make a bad decision. Right. And so that's yep. why it's so hard to get them to make a decision in the first place. And you could have done everything right. You could have sat down and built great rapport, 
You could have provided them all the solutions going over your expert advisor placemat and the seven laws and your proven repeatable system. And you can do all of that. But when you get to the point when you're asking for the agreement to be signed or when you're going over the transaction fee or, or you know, the, uh, the investment to receive the value in the system that you just talked about, just repositioning it, you know, don't like transaction fee. I would, you know, there's, that's a good example. And I don't want to get off on a side note, but you know, for me, I wouldn't say transaction fee. That's an industry term. It's one of those things where, um, you know, you don't use technical terms. If, if you guys say it together in your office, you probably shouldn't say it to a customer. You take for granted sometimes, um, what they understand. And so you throw around transaction fee like it's, and they have no clue what that means. And it sounds like a fee yeah. and it sounds like you're charging me for the transaction. And no, that makes no sense. Wait, you're going to charge me to transact business like that. It just gets everything screwed up. Now, if I referred to it as the investment to receive all the benefits from the system that I just went over with you, and it was just normal part of doing business, you'd get a different um, reaction. But the point is, is that if you flinch, or you hesitate, or your voice cracks, or you say an um, or your body language tenses up. If any of those things happen when you go into the conversation to talk about that, then that's where they'll have a concern. All they needed was that just one little thing that set off the alarm system, and uh, it will prove to them what they already thought, and that was that it may not be the right decision. And and it's so frustrating. Um, it's happened to me many, many times in my career. And it's so frustrating because you do everything else right. You could have presented right. You prequal. You did everything right. And then you lose them right there in that moment. So, you know, it's not the fee. It's not uh, it's not uh, the cost, the investment. It's that's going to cause people to have a concern with it. It's going to be whether or not they understand the value that they're getting in exchange for whatever those costs associated with it are, whatever the value is as a whole, the whole system. It's not John helps me out and then there's a transaction fee. It's all the whole thing, right? It's all of the systems and the resources that we talked about. It's every member of the team. It's every dollar that we spend on advertising. It's every dollar that we invest into ourselves to continue our education. It's the whole thing. Right. And that's why when it's in the contract, like John said, that it isn't it is the whole thing. It's it's literally printed in the agreement. So yeah. <laughs> uh, that's what I wanted to say on that. I like it's it. It's all about the delivery, man. It's all about the delivery. It's not what you say, how you say it. That same old tired thing. Oh, man. Here we are. <clears throat> June 2nd, man. End of. uh talking with clients this morning you know we're talking about getting to the halfway point and um, you know real estate essentially we are at the halfway point because everything that they transact at this point more than likely will go into July and beyond so their first half numbers are what their first half numbers are and whatever they have in in the hopper to close for this month you know what what stays firm what maybe pushes into July but we have a pretty good gauge of where we're going to be at at the halfway point and the question is, you know, are you are you on track, you know, to to hit your your 2020 targets? Um, if not, what adjustments do you have to make, right? Where do we need to Where do we need to look? What What do we need to do? What do we need to do differently? 
Um, what do we need to do more of, right? And if 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 the goal hasn't changed, right? That's the that's the thing. And, and you know, for some, maybe the goal has changed. Maybe you know, it, instead of say it was it was twenty, you know, and you look at it and you're like, and eh, some things have adjusted. Now it's only going to be fifteen. Then cool. Then let's recalibrate. Make sure what we know what we have to do production-wise to make sure we hit that target. So halfway point of the year. So make sure you guys get time in the calendar to to kind of evaluate, you know, review and make uh, make any you know tweaks, adjustments, recalibrations that we need to to make sure that we're on track for for the targets for the rest of the year. You know, Jeff, one of the you know the worst things that that people could do is like, man, no, uh, you know, I'm just going to do whatever, right? Just just that's the survival mentality, right? Just start to focus on survival, and we've got to move beyond that. So, um, yeah, you guys, for sure, start start getting it in the calendar, and um, uh, it's just like the, yeah. the team that I talked to this morning. They're already going to start talking about it. Like It's already on their radar. They're already talking about it. They're already starting to meet, meet tomorrow, right, and start to get everything dialed in because they know what they do this month will be a part of the um, – will be a part of the second half of the year. Yeah, that's a real good point. It is uh, already June 2nd, man, crazy. Uh, I mean, and you know, it's so also, crazy. Also, uh, what's up, Renee? I see you on there. Um, I'm trying to just kind of watch the Facebook group. So anybody who's watching, nice. be sure and uh, drop a comment. If, uh, if you got a question, you just got something to share, you had a good month in May, uh, let's hear about it. It's going to be somewhat kind of related to what I'm uh, going to say right now. And that is that not only are we halfway through the year, but it's the beginning of a new month, right? It's day two of a new month. And, uh, you know, I talked this morning, anybody who saw my live in the Kinder Reese University Facebook group, you know, I had a great month of May, man. Um, I set a goal to do 200 miles in May. And uh, and then um, also what was on my list for sometime this year was to do my first ultra, which was, uh, you know, 50K or more. And it just coincided that uh, in order to hit the goal for May, I had to on you had to do it. first <laughs> do the ultra. So funny how that works. That I not two two birds with one stone there. But you know what? Um, yesterday I took a day off and I went for a run this morning. And guess what? It's a whole brand new month. And uh, Kitchens called me last night. We were talking. He said, "So what's the goal for June? Another 200?" And uh, you know, I, I think you know, it's I remember when I wasn't wise enough to realize. But back in the day when you thought you were a hot shot and you sold something and you're selling, man, last month you crushed it. I was the best salesperson last year. Look at all the awards yep. on my wall, all that. And the boss or somebody would say, what you done for me lately, man? What you done for me lately? <laughs> and you would just get pissed off and you would feel like they didn't appreciate all that you had did. And, and I pay the utilities in this place and yada, all this stuff. And then you get a little wiser yeah. and you realize that – Man, that's the curse right there. I didn't realize it, but uh, but that whole looking in the rearview mirror at what you've done is is a trap. And I could have looked at it and said, "Man, I did 200 miles. I did that, um, you know, that 50k. So let me just rest now, or let me feel like you know it's over." And that's not the truth because actually I have a bigger goal, which is the one goal, and that's to do the two 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 thousand two thousand and twenty miles in 2020. And so what I really like, and if you just align that to your business goals, I have the one goal, and that's to do the 2,020 miles in 2020. The right. 200 miles in May was a micro goal 
part that was part of the big goal, right? So there's just one goal, uh, but you know I tried to align the activity associated with that goal all the way down to on a weekly level, a micro goal every day. You know, that adds up to how many I got to do a week, 50 a week, and then the 200 a month. And, the, you know, I know if I get to 200 a month, then I'll be down to 1,200 miles at the end of June, and I'll have a chance to hit it. Um, but, you know, it's a new month. So whatever you did in May, a lot of people had a good May. I mean, we see it, a lot of people yeah. had a good May. But that was from work that was done in March or February, you know, or maybe April. But, man, yeah. probably more probably more February and March. And so... What did you do in April and May? Ooh, I don't know. And uh, and even if you had a good month, it's June, and that money's spent. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's gone. Yeah, that's a great that's a great point. And um, you know, re you know, like you had to recalibrate, right? You looked, you took a look, getting into into going into May, and you're like, shit. If I'm really committed to this long term goal. I got to make some adjustments, and then yeah, that was that was because yeah. I was behind. Because I was like five hundred yeah. miles behind, and uh, you know, it's did it go through my head like, man, there's no way I'm going to hit it. Absolutely, it's not not supposed to go through your head. That's the voice that's supposed to protect you from making stupid decisions. But unfortunately, yeah. it's not. A, it's a black and white world that that voice lives in, and it ain't in the real life. So when it says, man, I don't think that's possible. Well, wait a minute. Hold on. Let me see. If I could knock out 200 in May and 200 in June, now we're shoot. Doesn't seem so unachievable. Right. I, I did have. Yeah, to it adjust. is. Yeah, you do. You have to kind of recalibrate, and I think that's just a great lesson. You know, stay stay committed to the goal. It's just how do we how do we need to adjust and recalibrate to try to get make make little little progresses to getting back to kind of an on pace if you if you will so no it's awesome to win. and i think like you know you don't have to win every day like it's the goal right but i think that there's a, a thing just like when you're making phone calls and you think that your your job's supposed to sell everybody no it's not you know your job's supposed to turn over every single objection no it's not your job is to you know get everybody to agree to an appointment no it's not and unfortunately, you think that that's kind of what maybe you're supposed to do, and you don't realize that here's the, here's what would be successful is that if you can talk to a hundred people today and ninety five of them tell you no and five of them tell you yes, you had a badass day right <laughs> and and, and yeah. I'm happy that you got told ninety five times no man that's part of the formula that's there's that's the x for the y and so if you think that there's just supposed to be the y then you get beat up every single day and if I had the goal of twenty twenty and uh and I was like man I didn't do my my you know I'm supposed to do six point seven miles every day and today I didn't do it oh and I could just let that kill me. it ain't no big deal. Sometimes you win, sometimes um, you don't, but you do have to kind of reassess and adjust where you're at. And if the goal is indeed important, there's probably a way for you to recalculate the path. Just like when you get on the navigation and you go the wrong way and then it recalculates and it gets you back on yeah. track, same yeah. thing. No, I love it. And um, it, it really is, right? Like you were talking on those conversions. It made me think of like a uh, – uh, I saw a deal where they were talking about like defensive linemen, right? Like have it in football, have have like it's uh they could have the worst game of their career, right? The worst game, and then all of a sudden they get a sack 
in the in the final minutes that they win the game and they're the greatest player ever, right? It's like just one play, and it's just like you just have to show up for that that one that one play, no matter how bad your game is going. And that's kind of like golf too, right? Just that one good shot, and you're coming back. <laughs> but you got doesn't matter how many club. Golf but you got to be it, man. the club, and you got to be on the field. You got to be on the field, yeah. right? Just think about those guys that like. You know, the, I mean, the quarterbacks, they, Tony Romo, I was talking to somebody about Tony Romo the other day, and actually I found a lot of people that said that they liked him better than Dak. Um, but that's a whole other conversation. Really? Yeah, man, I was surprised. Yeah. I was surprised. I, said, yeah. I was like, who, what would you rather have? And, and we'd be surprised how many people said Romo. But, um, but man, you know, look at the chokes he made. Of course, I'm like, yeah, he chokes, though. And, uh, man, just think about But then he has these great – hey, right after that, he'd come back and do so well, and uh, that's – Kind of in life, like what we got to do. Like you just threw an interception that likely cost a game. Now get out there and make it better. <laughs> you know, yeah. you just yeah. lost the deal. You just, memory, you just, right? Yeah, yeah. What was that? It's that short-term memory that you've got to have, right? And that's like you know, that's like number one of the number one things in golf, right? Especially working with the younger kids was you know you had to you had to forget <laughs> real quick. Right, you had to forget, and then you had to get on to that next that next shot. <clears throat> and man, you talk about those build, building that mindset to where you can you know accept it and move on. Right, that's that's the thing, and not let it not let it impact your behavior moving forward. Right, like man, I had I had probably so I helped my dad when I moved back from California. I, I helped my dad. Um, there was a couple years I didn't help him, but I then I did. I helped him for um, a stretch. I had um, a couple kids as freshmen, and then I coached them, you know, all the way through until they graduated. But in that run, we had I had three, four of like of, of probably the top ten players in the state at the time, and um, they they under they underachieved like is an understatement. They they should have won state all four years and they didn't win it once, and um, and and they fell victim to a lot of that mentality, to where they couldn't let go, right? One ego, they felt they 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 felt like uh, entitled, and so that's a bad that's a bad you know mental model to get into, and then the ability to let go. Right, they would carry bad shots with them for multiple holes, and um, it would derail them. It would derail them, and those that, you know, didn't feel entitled, those that had the ability to let go, um, were the ones that really thrive. And and I think that applies into any areas of our lives, right? Especially when we're talking with sales. I mean, you know, kind of unpack that on the sales side for people, you know, with that type of mentality. You shared a little bit of it just a second ago as I look at all of my awards, you know, I'm entitled to, you know, you ain't to not have to, to shit. You, you ain't exactly. entitled to shit. Exactly. You know what I mean? Um, it's a change in mindset. You're entitled to the opportunity to continue forward. You're entitled to the opportunity to have another opportunity. You're entitled to the opportunity to use the same skill set and make something else happen. But you're entitled to you. That's what you're entitled to, is you. Um, and that's what got you there before, and that's what will get you there again. I'm not entitled to anything that somebody else, um, you know, would provide me. And so I think that there's just 
I mean, when you're younger in sales or, you know, especially if you have some success, you know, um, you fall into that. I mean, I, it's a, it's the, in, in like the financial service world, um, you know, in the, in the investment world, money raising world, whatever you want to call it. And a lot of those places, what happens is that your top guy starts to get a big head and thinks that he's got so much money now and he's got all the clients and you wouldn't be anywhere without me and my book of business. So I can do this shit better than you. I'm going to take all my buddies here that we've been making you all this money for and we're going to go start our own shop. And uh, that's what happens. And then those guys usually realize there's a big difference between being a good salesperson and running a business. And they realize that there is a whole lot more that was going on behind the scenes than somebody just picking up a phone call or meeting with people and saying, buy the deal. You know, there was so much more. And so... Uh, but but if you go through that, then you kind of realize like you know you're not entitled to anything. And man, I'm scared when you just had a good month because that's like damn. Am I you know it's like uh, uh, you know if you had a good month, man, it's scary because you know it's easier to have a bad month than it is to have a good month if you're looking yeah. forward. If you're looking to next month, it's easier to have a bad month than it is to have a good month. You know what I mean? Next month I could always get better from a bad month. Next month from a good month, I have to live up to the same thing that I now know I'm possible, that's, that's impossible. Uh -huh. um, so, you know, that, I mean, I think that kind of unpacks it. And I think that part of that is you have to see those moments and you have to be aware. Every morning in our huddle, we have a thing called lessons learned. And it's a question that I ask, okay, so yesterday, what lessons did we learn? Anything, you know, outside of business, at home, on your, whatever, what lessons did we learn? And so asking that question, they know it's coming every morning, and then they're kind of hopefully throughout the day thinking, oh, here's a lesson I can talk about tomorrow, my lesson's learned. But also, it's just let's, you know, some, sometimes there's nothing to say, but I'll, it'll be quiet for 20 seconds. And I don't know what they're thinking about in those quiet moments for 20 seconds, but I know that they're digging dirt. They're like <clears throat> digging dirt somewhere. And, uh, and so when you, that's when you say, you know, gosh, um, maybe I have been resting on some of my past success or, you know, maybe I have been deflecting responsibility and placing it on a tool or, um, you know, who knows, maybe I have been blaming the lead sources for five years and actually haven't even made a hundred calls in five years. You know, who knows what it is? Why? You yeah. Know, why, how come I, I know everything, but I do nothing? Mm. You know, um, talking with uh, a couple of our um, private clients this morning on our on our call, and uh, we're talking about Zillow. And um, he said, you know, a lot of people bash Zillow, and he goes, it's it's saved us this year, right? He said the ROI has been through the roof. He goes, we've already closed as many this year as we did all of last year, and and um, you know, we started to say, well, why is that? And they just have really good um, fundamentals to the basics, right? They're focused on speed of response. They're diligent about the follow-up, right? They do the basics, and they're squeezing, they're squeezing the juice. The thing is, is that most people just don't optimize what they currently have. And like you said, they want to blame it on that tool, but they're not taking, they're not taking a look at, well, what could I be doing differently to optimize this opportunity? Is it the platform or is it is it the user, right? Like what what's going on here? And, and most people, 
you know, they, like you said, they want to take the easy way out. They want to blame the tool instead of, you know, the 100-0 taking, you know, ownership and doing all they could with with that. Yeah, you're right on point. I'm just looking at the comments here. We got Matt. Matt McComb said Zillow sold out in his area. So, you know, that, that's proof it's working for somebody. Um, and uh, But uh, then I see um, he did get his lock. Oh, so he got his zip codes locked down. But it's sold out in his area, so there you go, right? I mean, he's getting the uh, lion's share because he's got the zip codes in his area. And I think, you know, my thing is always um, has always been all the leads are weak because I come from the old school. The leads are weak. The leads are weak. You're weak. I could take these same <laughs> leads and go out there tonight and make myself $10,000. Could you? Could you? And uh, that's Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. But, man... The leads are weak. They're all weak. The leads, there are no Glengarry's. There is no perfect lead. You know, maybe sometimes there is, but the actual reality is, is that you were there to call it. You were there to ask it to meet or to make a commitment or to take action. You were the catalyst. Rarely do they just show up at your door. Um, so, you know what I mean? Even on a good lead source, there's, there's the system and the person that creates the conversion. It's just a source. Uh, like I can go to the grocery store and buy a bunch of stuff and cook a terrible meal, <laughs> but somebody else can take those same ingredients and just blow my socks off. So if I assume that all the leads are weak, Zillow is the same as, and I'm not saying this is true, but if I treated it as though Zillow is the same as the bull leads, is the same as the the prime uh, seller leads, which is the same as the Z buyer seller leads, which is the same as the Trulia, which is the same as uh, home home uh, whatever that new one is if they're if right. I just assume that they're basically all the same then I'm forced to realize that then the non-static metric in that deal is me and I'm the one that can move the needle up and down and so once you do that then you never blame a lead source again and you tighten up your game yeah and I had a had a good uh, good conversation with um, uh, a couple more of our clients last week, and we were we were discussing, you know, looking for seller opportunities. And I know they do a really really good job at generating, you know, a lot of buyer buyer opportunities. And there is no inventory in their market, so you know, we get into you and I talk about this all the time. It's like where, what's the conversation, and how do we join it, right? What's the conversation going on in, you know, the seller's mind in the marketplace? And so we started talking about that a little bit. And uh, they said, yeah, man, you know, there's just no inventory. Those that are staying in the market know with certainty that they, that they can sell their home. They're just <clears throat> concerned about finding one. And so we talked, well, mm. would they be better off finding a new construction or building or, or doing something like that? And, you know, I said, yeah, you know, we, so we talked through that a little bit. And I said, let me ask you something. How many how many buyer leads did you guys generate? And this was an afternoon call. I said, how many how many buyer new buyer leads came in on your platform? They've got one of the platforms um, that they they've had for four or five years. They work it really well. And he said, man, I think we had about thirteen come in this morning. And and I know they know you always ask about that. Yeah, do you you always ask right? Part of the script is, do you have a home to sell? And I, I said, are you guys asking that question? They go, yes, absolutely. I said, so how many of those this morning, those 13 that you talked to said they have a home to sell? He said, four. And I said, how many did you have yesterday? 
He said six. And so he started catching on what I was saying. I was like, so in the last two days, you've had 10 seller leads come in, right? So that's going back to that whole perspective, and, and it's on you, right? And it's the it's the, the meaning you give it. It's like, man, we just don't have enough sellers. We don't have sellers. Bro, you guys just had 10 in the last two days. What are you doing to nurture and follow up with those those seller opportunities? And, you know, the agents that we've talked talk to that do really well with the online the inquiries and stuff, those those agents treat those leads as ev as if every one of them is a seller lead. And that's how they treat it. They just treat it that, hey, you're a seller, you know, you got a home to sell. Oh, you maybe you're oh your rent. Oh, okay. But they go in with the mindset that you're a seller, you have a home to sell before you where you're looking in this market and let's have that conversation. So it was just it was just one of those little things, you know, are you overlooking what you already have that are you looking at the right opportunity is essentially, you know, kind of kind of what's kind of the point. Yeah, I mean, you miss you miss oppor simple opportunities like if you weren't, weren't asking that question, just look at, um, you know, the opportunities that you could be missing. It's. Uh, you know, it's what I was trying to remember, and then I looked down and I actually wrote it down. Um, so when you were talking about the low inventory, uh, I was going to say, you know, the same thing. So using that same principle, there are people that if you had an ISA or you're somebody who was disciplined about building a database of nurtures and reaching out to people in certain neighborhoods and so on, then over the past year, you have a database of people that said that they were planning on selling maybe sometime later this year or something. They're not yet ready to sell, or not, at least not that they've told you, but you talked to them at one point, and if you followed our training, then they would have had to have said that they had plans to make a move in, in 12 months or less in order to be a nurturer. So following that philosophy, in a low inventory market, you have people in your database that you could call and leverage the low inventory market in a pool of qualified buyers that understand that the limited inventory is going to require them to make a super competitive offer and to move quickly. And I know that it was important to you to get the most amount of money for your home. And I wanted to revisit the idea about potentially selling your home. I mean, I could have that conversation to all those nurtures that are in your database, because if you're in a market where that's the truth, and, and I know that the, the conversation that my 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 buyers have is that they're worried about uh, finding the home is there going to be enough selection i just created additional inventory that no other agent has or i could position it as though i have access to a database of potential sellers that i've been cultivating over the past three years and these are people that no other agent has access to and depending on your level of interest, I'd be more than happy to spend some time to reach out to those individuals and see if there's not something that's not on the market that would be a good fit. I yep. mean, you tell me to do that. If you tell me to do that, then I, you know, you just, because you, if you're not super serious, you're not going to tell me to do that. And so I also believe that that would help me qualify the quality of the prospect. You know, it's just like, you know, John tells me, yeah, man, I'm super interested. Awesome. Why don't I come by and pick you up then in about 30 minutes? If he ain't interested, he's going to stop me right there. Well, wait a minute. I mean, I was like ready, but oh. I don't need to come. <laughs> so. Pump the brakes. Pump the brakes. I'm not, that, I'm not that motivated yet. 
And that's fine. I just want to know, right? That's fine. I just want to know. All we're trying to figure out. We're trying to uncover your motivation. That's all we're trying to figure out. So, you know, what are all Absolutely. the ways, as you like to say, John? So, you know, if you do have a database of nurtures, there's some inventory that you could maybe create for for those uh, select buyers that get the opportunity to work with you. Mm-hmm. Yep, 100%. Any, uh, any love on the Facebook the Facebooks. Oh yeah, you know, always, uh, always a little love, but uh, no, no new questions um, right now. So, man, uh, I'll tell you what I have. Um, maybe we can, you know, I don't know what time it is, but we can finish it off here or see if any questions come in. Um, but one thing that I wrote down the other day, I told you, I think it was on our last podcast. I mentioned that thing about um, Elon Musk. And uh, and uh, SpaceX putting the pictures of the astronauts on every work order, every invoice, everything, right? That was, yeah, share that story again if, if they didn't hear that. That's worth that's worth repeating. Um, yeah, and I'll sum it up. I'd recommend that you guys go uh, listen to the Growth Guys podcast. You can find it anywhere. Just type it into Google, Growth Guys podcast, and uh, you can find it anywhere you listen to podcasts. And I think it was probably on episode 33 um, that we had this discussion and going a little bit deeper. I think, but listen to them all and then, you know, let us know which one it was in. Um, But the point was, is that the director of uh, SpaceX, who was managing this recent Dragon capsule and Falcon 9 rocket launch, um, she, you know, really wanted everybody from the janitor to the highest level engineer she wanted everybody to remain focused on the two human beings that are at the center of the whole project. And, and, you know, that's the big thing in the rockets and the tangible, the technology, uh, the time, you know, those are secondary to the two people that we're sending up there. And so in order to make sure that everybody remained focused on that and that didn't move, to the back of your mind is that she put the picture of those two astronauts, Bob and Doug, on every work order, every invoice, anything that had to do with the project had their two pictures on it. And I just thought that was so cool. When you talk about, you know, and it makes me think of uh, how committed are you and how often do you display your core values as an organization? How how committed are you and, and how boldly do you display your value proposition or your purpose? I mean, you know, is your purpose at the top of every single document within your company? Is is your, you know, is it on every ad? Is it on, uh, you know, everything? So uh, it just makes me think of that. You know, maybe it's not. And again, it's, there's no right or wrong. It's just have the conversation with yourself and ask, your, you know, ask yourself what that means to you. I think we all agree. I mean, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Um, I wonder what it's like to work there. Man, if they got that kind of stuff going on. So, but yeah. And so then on another note, the other thing I had written down, because I was talking about how, you know, what you've done lately, you know, what you've done for me lately and everything and kind of tying back to that. And the same token, I wrote down three things from that launch that just, you know, really struck a chord with me. And one of them was they're talking about that Falcon 9 rocket and it's coming back to land. And they keep saying that, yeah, the Falcon 9 rocket's going to head on back to, of course, I still love you today. And the Falcon rocket's going to be landing on, of course, I still love you today. And I looked at Josie and I was like, of course, I still love you today. Damn. 
they fuck they named the 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 ship that that it lands on of course i still love you today i said think about that i bet you that's because think about the rockets in the past you show all this love you spend all this money and it's your little baby for whatever and you send it up and don't care anymore and it goes in the ocean and yeah whatever don't yeah. care what you done for me lately and, yep. and then now it's like showing such respect to all the people that worked on it and everything by bringing it back and saying, yeah, you did do something for me like yesterday, but I still love you today. And man, it yeah. almost got goosebumps, dude, talking about it. I just thought that. And again, like, whoa, they put pictures of the astronauts on everything and then they name their ship. Of course, I still love you today. Tell me there is not some culture within that organization. It's amazing. It's amazing, right? I mean, just just like they live, they're living that that purpose, right? They're living that. They're keeping everybody, you know, mindful. I mean, just like you said, every invoice, every document, everything had a picture, had their pictures on it. That's uh, that's powerful. There's some great leadership going on there. That's that's for sure. So speaking of uh, leadership, I guess before we wrap things up, uh, I do, and I know you want to uh, also let everybody know, and you can see it kind of down here uh, in the ticker below, but we have our uh, favorite event of the year focused on scaling up and and really improving leadership and everything that goes along with that, leading from the top down and creating leaders that lead from the bottom up. I mean, that whole whole process is something that we go over at Agent to CEO Live, and uh we're going to be streaming it live. It's going to be an awesome, amazing digital uh, streaming experience uh, for everybody that attends. And so that's going to be July 20th to 21st. You can go to Agent to CEO Live and get your uh, get your access. Right now, there's an early bird special, so you save, uh, uh, I don't know what it is, but it's $197 right now. Um, I think the tickets are going to be $397, $297. Regular $297. Price. $297. Yeah. So yep. it's 197 now, and uh, you can join. You can join, and we got some cool stuff that's going to take place. So the week prior to the event, we're going to have launch calls on uh, the 15th, the 17th, and the 19th. So we're going to have uh, some pre-launch calls leading up to the event with everybody. Also, those of you that maybe you're working to to get some agents on your team, maybe you're focusing on agent attraction, maybe you're just wanting to add value for other agents in your community, there'll also be an opportunity to be part of the CEO Agent Affiliate Club. And so if you do sign up, you'll get the information on that. And it's a way for you to share your own link and add value to agents around you and invite them to attend the event. And while it's not about the, while it's not about the money, you do get 20% of those sales back to you as a CEO Agent Affiliate. And you get to add some value to those agents that... Uh, that are in your community. So definitely go to Agent the CEO Live and uh, and get your access. And Kitchens, I probably should have let. I mean, it's your baby, so uh, you just you know share share a little uh, you, about. It. Well, well done, well done. I I mean, I just I can't I can't stress it enough for you guys to to take advantage of it. I mean, it's a we do the event live in person. It's a it's a thousand dollar ticket. So um, you know, this is a heck of an opportunity to be able in the comfort of your home and office to to really dive into the framework to be able to if you're if you're serious about growing your business and treating it like a business then this is definitely the event for you 
agentthecelive.com. And uh, we're going to yeah, sign buddy. off. Thank you guys, everybody watching. And uh, we'll be live again uh, next week, actually Friday. Friday, don't forget, jump on the free Friday coaching call. All right, thank yes, you. Yes, sir. All right, brother. See you. Thanks. See you guys. You've been listening to the Growth Guys podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast fix to get new, fresh weekly episodes. For more, please visit us on Instagram.